All right. So, Sony Bob. <laughs> I love you. I'm really crazy. Um, so, you have to uh, go with me. I'm going to go a couple places. Let me slide over. Thank you for the most time. So, a week and a half ago, I shared something in Elevate, but I didn't share everything. And I want to attribute a lot of it to Ray Vandelman, who means a lot to me. Uh, he's a wonderful Bible scholar. And I want to share something, but I want to build something. Now, uh, thank you so much. I owe you my life. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. What did God do? He created the world. And he created the world, and then we move into, and, and everything that he created was what? Good. It was good. That means we are good because of the presence of God in his creation. Genesis 2, what did God do with Adam? Where did he put him? In the garden. He didn't form him in the garden. But he put him in the garden. Who did he create in the garden? Eve. Eve. Very good. And, and they're together. Very good. So now, they're, to be, they're not only image bearers, but they're to procreate and create more image bearers. That's why in heaven, we're not going to procreate because there's no need to be image bearers when you're already in the image of God. Genesis 3 comes along. What happens in Genesis 3? The fall. So God created this relationship with us because we're good because of the presence of God is around us. Make sense? And the presence of God is within us. We're there walking in, but there's a fall. So what did God do at the end of Genesis 3? Sorry, Brandy, I'm all over the place, but I love you. This is a really nice Bible. Um, I might have to get this. I might have to steal. No, I would never steal. I would just ask that you give it to the Lord or you're in sin. All right, so I'm not doing that. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, actually, I want a bottle like Robbie has. It's got those little extra margins. What is that? The journal bottle? Is that what it is? Is that what you have? Somebody else has it. Who else? Does anybody have something? Journal bottle? Do you have a journal bottle? Yeah. Is that it right there where you can make notes? It's got the wide margin. It's the hipster bottle. Let me see. Do you have it? I left it at home. I'm not spiritual. That's right. I can't find my bottle, so I didn't want to use my phone. That's why I stole his. Um, wow. Wow. And then my bottle's given to me, and so I'm mean, wow. I think I looked at the prayer room just now. But that's okay. So in Genesis chapter 3, this is a really, really nice bottle. All right, Genesis chapter 3. All right, let's look at this. Look at the end, look at the end of, of Genesis chapter 3. Let's go to verse 22. Well, let's start with verse 21. So then there's the sacrifice. Uh, 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed him. Verse uh, 22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, wait a minute. This is interesting. Go back to the second. Now, some people are saying, Well, that sounds really bad by God because God just doesn't want man to live forever now because he know, knows uh, a knowledge of good and evil. But I think this will explain. Let's go to the next verse. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground which he had been taken, verse 24. After he drove the men out, he placed on the east side of the garden. Where's Jesus coming from? Where's Jesus going to return? The east. In fact, I was spending my quiet time at the end of Zechariah 14 and then in Malachi today, because y'all know I read through the Old Testament and New Testament every year, constantly. I read through the Bible, always. 
And, and so he's going to come from the east. He's going to come, and the Mount of Olives is going to split. I told you there's a fault line that they've already discovered in between there. It's kind of interesting. So you've got the east, uh, uh, Mount of Olives is going to split. Now, there's something called the Messiah's Gate on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is the highest point in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, is, a, is, a, is a mount, but above is the Mount of Olives, which goes down the Kidron Valley, then back up the Mount of Olives, about 200 feet above. So you kind of look into the city on the eastern gate. What did the Muslims do? To the eastern gate. <clears throat> That's right. They closed it up. They submitted it and sealed it because what they would do is that every Passover they would open in that celebration they would open the Messiah's gate, looking to see if he would come through. And so what they've done is they sealed it up. I mean, Jesus walked through walls. I guess he obviously submits no problem. And so my my point being, so he's going to come and he's going to come from the east. It's interesting that we were, we were banished that way, but we can't get so far from God that he won't come, right? You know, there's, there's a point that you go north, but you, you, you end up going south on the globe, right? But if you go east, you're always going anyway. So east side of the Garden of Eden, a caribbean. These are not fat little fuzzy kids with red <laughs> faces. I don't know where they came from. I think they came from some artists who wanted to make a lot of money. Um, guarded me, carried him, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. That's very interesting there. Now, why did he put that? Why did he put that sword? Was it really so man could not get back in? Why did he put it there? <clears throat> so sin couldn't live forever. That is why there was separation. That is why 24 explains verse 23. The reason why they couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is so that sin cannot live forever. It cannot be in the presence of the Lord and live forever. So what I'm trying to say is, so what, now that man had failed, there was an epic fail of this relationship where God was walking with man in the cool of day. What did man have to do? What did God do? So let's fast forward all the way into Exodus. What happened when Moses crossed through the Red Sea? Where did they go? Promised land. Wilderness. Yes. What did you say first? Promised land. Wilderness. Before the wilderness. Well, and during the wilderness, where did they go? Certain mountain. Sinai. So they went to Mount Sinai. What did God do in Mount Sinai? What did God do? There was a, a place where God and Moses were intimate. In other words, God was with man, but there was a separation. So God says, since I made a space for you, and John, you messed it up, now I'm going to come back to you on an individual level and I'm going to say, here's a space for you and I to be intimate. And on there he gave them the Ten Commandments and he gave them some other instructions. What other instructions did he give him? What did he tell them to build? Yes, before the temple they called it the what? Very good. So here's what happened. God said, I made a space for you and you jacked it up. Now you make a space for me, and I'll come in. Pretty good, huh? So my, my point in this, so he comes down from the mountain. What are the people doing? Man, they're making idols. John Calvin, our heart are continuous idol factories. Right? Just constantly making idols. And so what happens is golden calf, most commandments, there's the commandments, and there's back up, and there's like, some new ones, you know, and, and right, but nonetheless, the golden calf, 
did not stop God from entering into the presence of his people. Our sin will never stop God from entering in his presence with us. Here's what's interesting. So after Mount Sinai, they made this tabernacle, right? And it was just like Mount Sinai. Before they could, before Moses went up to the mountain, before the people came to the foot of the mountain, which they were very afraid of, there was, there was this fire on the mountain, was there not? It burned the top of the mountain, right? And there was this cloud, this heavy cloud, this weighted glory of God, right? And there was this idea of consecration. God said, you've got to clean yourselves three days before, I, before you enter my presence, right? Isn't that just like the tabernacle? There's a basin of washing. There's a sacrifice of fire. And then they go in with the incense burning because there's a cloud because you can't look at God and live. It's just like Mount Sinai. But did you notice this? After Moses' meeting with God on Sinai, he never went back to Sinai again. Stop going back to your salvation experience. You didn't hear it all over here. Stop going back to your salvation experience. Because if that's all you have with Jesus, then you have missed the movement of God in your life. My salvation experience is the beginning of my walk with Jesus. It is my, not my defining walk with Jesus. Moses never went back. The people never went back to Mount Sinai. Never. Why? Because God said, makes room for me, makes space for me, and I will enter into your space. So how are you doing in you making room for Jesus in your life? How's your room? You making space with God in your work? You're making space with God in your marriage. Making space with God in your singing. Making space with God in your mind. Are you, how are you doing making space with the Lord? Can y'all get to some chairs? If y'all mind? Uh, um, how are you doing in that? <coughs> how are you doing with that? So now, I want you to see. Here's what's interesting. It took two chapters in all. Well, really one chapter. But we have two chapters that kind of explain creation. Two chapters that explains creation. Genesis 1 and 2. And over 50 chapters in in the New Testament, excuse me, Old Testament, over 50 chapters, chapters that declare how to build and deal with the tabernacle. Did you know that? 50. So you've got this much space that deals with the tabernacle or making space for God or room for God, and you've got two pages that deals with God making room for us. Because it is a lot of work in a sense, the idea where there's a lot of fighting, a lot of things that we have to do spiritually to make room for God. You, you think about that, making room for God. I'm going to show you uh, this. It's very interesting because when you make room for God, God not, is not limited to that space. It's not like they made this tabernacle and God was just in that space. But it was the idea of a central location for God and, but yet God's presence would be felt throughout the whole community. Watch and look, uh, excuse me, Exodus 25.8. So if we could turn there to Exodus 25.8. This is so good. When, I, when, when you go back at this. <coughs> Make room for God. God made room for man. Man jacked it up. But God is so loving and so kind. He says, if you'll make room for me, I'll come in with you. And look what he said to him. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, tabernacle, and I will what? 
among them. God was never intended to be put in a box on top of an arm of acacia wood overlaid with gold, with carabine, with wings this way, with the mercy seat. He was never meant to be localized in one place. Neither is he meant to be localized in one place in your life. In God. Never meant to be that way. We've got to make room. He says, I will dwell among them. Here's what's interesting. When we make space for God, like at school and in, and in our grandchildren and our walk with wherever we are, when we make space for God, then God says, I will dwell among the people. Like, in other words, the holiness of God that dwells within us goes out to other people. For example, in 1 Corinthians, he says, your children will be holy. Why? Because you're what? Holy. Yeah, there's this, there's this covering. There's this covering of children to this age of accountability. There's a covering in them, over them. It's a very interesting concept when he, when he talks about that. That somehow, someway, if you get saved and you're married and you're married to a non-believer, that somehow, someway, the holiness of God is benefiting them. And if they choose to stay in the marriage, God says, stay with them because it's better for them. So like your work, the holiness of God is dwelling among the people. And some people walk right past them. The, the very sanctuary of God, which in 1 Corinthians tells us in 6, that we are the temple of what? God. That's right, the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting when you look back. He will dwell among them. And so for me, as I look at that, it's very, very interesting to me. So now let's look at a couple passages here. I want you to see this. Exodus 25, verse 1. If we can, if we can go through this, Brandon, this is going to be pretty interesting. Exodus 25. Then the Lord said to Moses. All right? That's one time. Uh, go to verse 30. I mean, chapter 30, please. Chapter 30. So this is all in the building of the tabernacle. Chapter 30, verse 11. Says what? Then the what? All right, now watch verse 17. What does it say? Then the Lord said what? Third time. Verse 22. What's it say? Verse 23. Take the following fine spices. <laughs> ah, I got you. 500 shekels of liquid garlic. And he's telling him, I want you to see, exactly what to do in, with the temple. This is what you're going to do. Now watch. This is very interesting. Just so I'm, I want you to see context here. Go to chapter 30, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, let's go to Exodus 31, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, what I'm trying to get to is, if you go back in trail, then the Lord said to Moses about, this, about the tabernacle. There are seven different places God said, then the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said about the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses. When's the last time prior to that God spoke seven sayings? Yes, you were correct. Who said it? You were correct. What did you say? That's correct. Creation. And at the seventh saying of creation, what did God tell us to do? Y'all are right. Y'all right? are so worried that you're going to mess up. You're very good. You're super knowledgeable. Trust me. What did he tell us to do? Rest. After he said these seven things about this is, us, this is what the Lord says, this is what the Lord says, this is what the Lord says to Moses. Look there in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my what? 
That's pretty interesting, isn't it? When you make space for God, God says, I will dwell in that and I will give you rest. God. And Jesus came to be our rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is... You got it. Like you got it. Like you see what's happening in this. So you must observe my Sabbath so the idea is that very space of God becomes a presence of God within us as he dwells among the people of God and he gives them rest. So, I said all that to say this. Number one, we have to make space for God. We jacked it up early on when God made room for us. Now God says, make room for me. And I'm going to show you how to make room for me. In John chapter 1, let's go to John chapter 1. Sorry, Brandy, I know I'm everywhere. But I think you'll remember this. A lot of you already know the teaching of this. But in the Gospel of John chapter 1, which obviously God is dealing with us and showing Jesus, John chapter 1, if you go to verses, if you don't mind, let's go to verses, um, let's go to verse 14. That's okay, Brandy. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word is who? Jesus. Right, the Word is Jesus, right? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Okay. Uh, the Word became flesh and made His what? Greek word skene. The very word for tabernacle. You knew that. So my point being is Jesus said, this is what it's like to make room for a God in your life. I'm going to show you how to be a living Breathing tabernacle. Make sense? I'm going to show you how to defeat sin. I'm going to show you how to defeat Satan. And not only that, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do all that I've commanded you and ask you to be and become and to be the very dwelling place of God. But there's one thing it's going to take in order to be a dwelling place of God, to, have, to consistently have a dwelling place of God. It's going to be very interesting. Let's go to... Um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. And this is where we're going to spend time. So you can just go to Hebrews chapter 11. And then we're just going to spend a lot of time in it. Alright? Is this helping you by the way? <coughs> Seeing some stuff? Okay, good. Alright, so this is what it is to be a believer. This is what it is tomorrow as we walk out now. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to come on, on the Sabbath, uh, which is, we're showing, this is the corporate community of rest. And people say, I can't go to worship because i got to go to work, or i got to do this, i got to get ready. And what they're saying, if they're believers, they're saying to the world that the corporate community of fellowship in Christ doesn't give me rest like me really sitting and watching an NFL game. It's really, well, that's really what they're saying. That's really what we're saying. You know, it's nothing like just sitting home at night and eating some Twinkies and, and flip, yeah, I said Twinkies and flicking the TV, and that's really going to give me rest because I know I got the test on Tuesday, but I'm really just going to procrastinate and watch this movie on Netflix. You know, I'm just just going to do it because you know I'm always crammed and I got through, so I'll just continue. See. We're telling the world that that is what rest is. And God says, but when the corporate community comes together, there's this, here's what true rest is. True rest is not that you wake up and go, whoo! <coughs> true rest is, is when your spirit wakes up and says, I can. Mm, that was good. All right, so, <laughs> Hebrews 11, 13. I got to get there. 
I have all this in my Bible, and I'm stolen yours, but I love you. Um, I promise you I love you, and I will not make it. I'm not messing up. I'll do my best because this is really good. Thanks, Bob. All right, love their pictures. And all these people, this is very interesting. Uh, that means the people above. We're going to talk about them for one minute. Not one minute, literally. Uh, all these people were what? Still what? Living by what? There's the phrase I want you to know. When you make space for God, you have to live by what? Very good. What was Jesus impressed with on the earth? Faith. <coughs> What did he say to the centurion? <coughs> wow, the centurion says, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Speak the word. You're going to heal my servant. Jesus goes. Wow. I haven't seen such faith like this in all of Israel. See, Jesus was impressed with faith because it takes, for us to make space for God, it takes faith. That's what true rest is. True rest is, is when your spirit absolutely is consumed with the trust of Jesus and the satisfaction of Jesus, that your bodies are, are going to be weary. Listen, Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, when he asked him to pray, he goes back three times and prays the same thing. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Yeah, and so he comes back and he says, he finds them doing what? Because he, then he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the flesh is always going to be weak. But if the spirit says I can, the body will do. But if the body says I can do, it doesn't always mean the spirit will. It's the spirit of God who works in us, right? Philippians 2.13. For it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his pleasure. So we are called to be people who live by faith. Notice what happened when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Now I'm telling you, we will not receive the eternal promise until the presence of Jesus. The reason why that is, is because it is in the presence of Jesus that we know all things. 1 Corinthians 13. Now we know in part. Then we should know fully as we are fully known. I see things like in a, a, a dim reflection as in a mirror. You know, when I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. You know, that's what we're thinking right now. They did not receive the things promised. They only what? Oh. That's the hope. You see what it could be like. You know what a marriage can look like. If you're married, you know what it can be like. If you're engaged, you know what it can be like. If you're single, you know what it can be like. Because you know the scripture of God. You know what you want. Do not deviate because your flesh wants to be loved, but your spirit is going, no. When your spirit and your when your mind and your heart line up, God is saying yes. But when your mind says, that's the guy, because he looks hot and your heart's going, no, he's not right with God. You're saying, but I want to be loved. And he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Right? He pays for the bills. He's got cash. He's not coming. And so, right? And so you're saying those things. I want you to know. That, that when the heart and the mind line up, that's God. Because you have peace. And you know you can move forward. So you're what we all walk by faith. Because we're not all what we need to be. But thank God we're not what we used to be. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. When you see a vision from the Lord, you welcome and embrace it. It consumes you. And so my heart's cry. Marcus Bryan on this campus, you know, who's mentoring me. I really don't like Marcus. He's not here so I can gossip. Um, and I love him. No, I do love him. 
But he's like, John, some guy asked me. I was like, oh, here he goes. He's going to keep me right in between the face with some statement. And he did. And I already talked about that in Sunday school today in our, in our class with Kevin. And he said, John, I want to ask you a question. I said, oh, gee, go ahead. <laughs> he said, what evil will be destroyed because you exist? Don't ask me them to have questions right now. And, and you know, what, what I, I, mean, I thought about it and I said, Marcus, here's what I believe. I believe that evil will be destroyed, that God might use me. The vision that I have is to help everyone that I pastor become exactly what God's called them to be. And the only way for them to get there is to be satisfied in Jesus. I don't want them to waste their life at all. We are called to be people who live by faith. And we see him from a distance. It's far off, but it's so strong, it compels us to take the hand of Jesus and move forward. And they admitted that there were aliens and strangers on the earth. And so we admit that this is not our home. So we don't put roots down so much in this earth that what happens on this earth consumes us. It, it can't consume us. This is not our home. Like, I want you to have a nice house, and I want you to have safety, and I want you to have comfort, and I want you to have health. But it might not happen because this is not your home. And when you try to make it your home, your, your whole life becomes confused. And all of a sudden you begin to be torn on the things between the things of God and the things of man. And I want to tell you something. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you will always go with the flesh when the flesh reigns. Always. Whenever the flesh is 60-40, you will always go with the flesh. 51-49, you will always go with the flesh. That's why, that's why uh, uh, Paul says in Romans 8.13, you've got to kill it. You've got to make war as we talked about the football team. Did I not challenge y'all on, on Friday? I said, destroy your flesh. The problem with Christians is they're too whippy, and the Bible says we are to be hostile against our flesh. You said we just kind of just, well, you know, that's not, that's not the Christian life. So who are these people, and what did they see, and what was it like? Let me just briefly say this is what Jesus encountered for us to make room. So I'm going to leave you these things, but we're done. All right, we're going to go back in. All right, so let's go back there in Hebrews chapter 11, if you don't mind, and let's go to uh, verse 4. Let's talk about some people. I want to look at, I want to look at some people. All right, so now. When we make space for God, we are living by what? When we make space for God, we're what? God has called you to live by faith. Not by sight. Live by faith. Live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We're going to see it. It's going to take faith to do what God is calling us to do. You're going to have to either feed the faith or you're going to feed the flesh. They're, they're, you're, whatever one you feed lives. And the other one you don't feed, dies. So starve the flesh to death. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Why was Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's? First fruits coupled with what? Yes. That's what it says. By faith. Cain's did not come with faith. Cain offered because he wanted something. Abel offered because he wanted God. When you live by faith, 
What did Abel offer? A what? So when you live by faith, God will require a sacrifice. You want to live by faith? You want to make room for God? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. John, what do you ask? What does he ask me to sacrifice? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what he's asking you to sacrifice. It might be right now that you are not with that person that you are, or, or you might be that God is saying, I want you to do this, or I want you to go in this major, or I want you to minister to your grandchildren this way, or I want you to go with this your life this way. I want you to say yes to this job. I want you to trust me in this. I, whatever that is, you're going to have to make that sacrifice. I'm going to have to make that sacrifice. But we make the sacrifice by what? Because we believe Jesus will do what he asks us to do because he will come through. But you're going to have to sacrifice. It's very interesting that that is always tied together. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is what? Abel saw the promise far off. Remember in verse 13? Remember the thieves? He's talking about this man right here, number one. You see it fall, but here's what's going to happen. Though you, what you do might never, never come to its full fruition, people will talk about it for years after your death because it will always scream about Jesus. Look at Abraham. When he died, he had how many children? Roughly. One really of the promise. Two, but one of the promise. He didn't have the sands of the seashore. But yet, it's going to happen. And now we talk about it. All right, let's keep going. Let's go, let's go down to the, to the next one. Let's go to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before, but for before he was taken, he was commended as one who what? Living by faith means intimacy with God. Number one, there's a sacrifice. Number two, there's intimacy with God. Look at 11 6. Without faith is what? Faith is the key to intimacy with the Lord. Everything we do. I'm wearing this worship right now, and you believe God is going to speak to you. And God will honor that. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I believe God's a rewarder. Not a punishment. All right, so let's let's keep going down. Let's go to seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by what? Faith. faith. So people of faith, when you live by faith, you have a what? Man, God works in you to do something. And it wasn't like he had a holy huddle. He was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible calls it. He was a preacher of righteousness. And when you live by faith, there's a holy check in your life. There's a holy check. You know when you go too far. You know when you've gone too far into something. You know when you shouldn't do something. There's a check by the Spirit of God within you. Don't do it. So if you have a check, don't do it. Listen to the Spirit of God speaking to you. Because you're people of faith. Always going to be that, that there. Let's go to the next thing. <coughs> I love this. Let's go to verse um, 8. 
And Robbie, I'm going to ask you to play over here because I'm, I'm just about done. And it's 8,000 degrees in here. <laughs> right. At least we're not going to hell. <laughs> I guess it's as hot as it gets for us. Uh, so this is 100 outside. Uh, here we go. By faith, Abraham. Now, this is where y'all are going to stone me. Just don't stone me because I love you. Right? Like, don't stone me and say, this is for your good job. <laughs> um, uh, right? It hurts me more than it hurts you. All right? How many times do I hear that when I got the bell? Um, by faith, Abraham, when he when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and did what? Living by faith means you will be called to go. I'm sorry. There's no way out. There's no way out. So, so listen. The problem is, y'all want a church full of elders. You want it to be biblical. Why couldn't you let me just run that church? I would have ran it in the ground. I would have been good at it. Um, that's all joking. Y'all are going, where's he going? <laughs> You know, you got these crazy elders that, want, that push us to walk by faith. And go, yeah, please. And then you're like, God, if we don't walk by faith, they're not going to walk by faith. And I'm like, don't bring God in, then you win. Like, don't bring the God card. And so, then you got y'all going over to, to Ethiopia and getting all fired, for, fired up for Jesus. And then you got Maddie back there, right when they're going to hit that one kid, Dubino, and and you say, just love. Love. You know, and so he would be run out of the, the little village because he was mentally handicapped and emotionally handicapped. So he would beat him up and strip him down neck and just kick him out. That's just kind of what they do in the village. Right? And then, then Kevin has this godly idea. This vision from afar. <laughs> No pun intended. <laughs> That's for the, the Ethiopia Far region. Never mind. I was, I was inside. Sorry. And so we've been challenged with a task. So I come to you before I ever go to the, because y'all are the core, right? Right? This is something. Those are people that come to something. This is something. Word. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get connected, honestly, just come on Sunday night. That's just what we believe. We believe in a morning and evening sacrifice for the Lord. Because we believe in the corporate community. If your spirit can get rest, then your body's going to sleep really good. I know a lot of people who try to get physical rest when their spirit's not right, and they toss and turn all night. So why not just get spiritual rest? And then you'll sleep on Peace of the saints. So here's what's going on. We're asking you. I, we can't do anything. We're the body. We are either all in or not in. We don't make decisions. This is not authoritarian. We are under shepherds. Jesus, this is Jesus' church. I never walk around and say, Son, it's my church. When people say it's mine, I hold up now. That's, that's, no, no, it's Jesus' church. This, I, am not, I have no authority here except what you give me, and he gives me through you. So it's going to cost us, what, 50000 Kevin? Is that what it's going to cost us? Okay, well, our budget is one hundred and one. $50,000. It's going to cost to build a building over there for people that will never be able to pay you back. It's for the emotionally and mentally handicapped so they don't get beaten thrown in the woods at night. It's for them to have a place to lay down, put their head, and have a place 
to grow. It's for people that don't, they'll never be able to thank you. They'll never be able to do anything for you. They're never going to go up to you and say, you know what, you changed my life. Hallelujah. This side of heaven, we will just be like them. We will see the vision from afar, and we will never, ever, ever, ever get a thank you. You will never get anything this side of glory. So we've been challenged with that. That means some of you got to go. Some of you've already been. Numerous times. You're like Kevin. You know, Kevin just loves to travel the earth. I I don't know why God is giving y'all favor when y'all go over there. I don't know why. Because they're Muslims and it just shouldn't happen. But y'all do. This is something that when we going into Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is something that we can do. This isn't a campaign. We're not putting any money in bricks and sticks. We're hoping that this becomes a place for people to Jesus. I don't want to build bricks and sticks. That's why this, that's why something doesn't build and have land and have a building. If we ever do, it'd be like with Jeremy's vision. Build a big coffee shop. Do something. Put a godly visit. Do something for the Lord. We can find a place to meet at Summit. We'll meet out, right? We'll meet at Goose Creek Red. We'll meet in a park. We'll do. We'll find a place because y'all are wild enough. That's why I love you. You don't have to have bricks and sticks and nice candelabras and all this other stuff and a pulpit me hop in my robe. Even though I do have a robe, it's pretty nice with a lapel across it. It's pretty. <laughs> I can wear a collar too if you want. <laughs> but God is asking us to do something. So let's go back to that verse. If this is what God is asking us then you're going to have to decide if it's the Lord. Look. That means if we've got to just cut from certain areas so we can do it, if God's given us, Lord willing, $130,000, and it costs us $20,000 a year, if we pay CSU, and I praise God that y'all pay me some money, I praise God that you, you pay Jeremy, uh, you know, Rodney makes a whopping $100 a week. Sorry, that's you don't get raised. It's all those things. And, we, and, and you know what? We said we're not going to pay anybody to play musical instruments. Did we not say that? In fact, that's Jeremy Pollock. Thanks, Jay, for being so godly. <laughs> Jeremy said, if we're going to pay anybody, we're going to pay somebody to go pastor people. We just want to sow into his life. We know he's going to leave us. We just want to sow into him. We don't want to have all this overhead. We want to sow into you. So if God calls you to do something, you know God's calling you to ministry. You know you feel it. When you, pre- if you feel it, you feel close to God. Then we've got to find a way to empower you. We've got to find a way to empower Tanner. We've got to find, uh, find a way to empower the farm. We've got to find a way to empower Tim. That's why we've got to find a way. But th- if this is something that we can do for people, then we do it. Listen, all I know all I know is that one person walked in on a Sunday morning years ago. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Some person walked in on a Sunday morning years ago and said, and, and laid down $30,000 check. Here you go. I feel like God told me to do it. I ain't never said $30,000 in my life like that. What are you talking about? Then when we built a, a school, $25,000, Kevin's like, I feel like the Lord's laying on me. Yahweh. I feel like the Lord's saying So then we got to do it. So guess what? We took $25,000 out of the savings and said, we're going to do it. 
And we were $25,000 over budget that year. And guess what God brought in? $25,000 over budget that year. God brought in all the extra money that we gave away. Because it's his money. It's Jesus' blood. It's not our money. So if this is what God is calling us, to a place he would later receive us as an inheritance, a made and win, even though he did not know where he's going. I don't know where this is going because you don't know where God's calling you. You have no idea. But I'm going to tell you what, to put your hand in the hand of Jesus is sweeter and better than you trying to pave your own way. Make room for God tonight. Make room for God. Live by faith. You don't have to go back to Sinai. The reason why you don't have to go back to Sinai is because God is leading you to a new Sinai. Everywhere you go, God will speak to you. We want to do something. I am burdened for your nurses and tribe. When I talk to them at the fair, Katie, I am burdened. We can take candy and chocolate, and they are lost, and they work their lives. Look at the tears in the coming there. They work their lives just to make money and to live and to satisfy themselves, and they miss Jesus. And if we would just go over there and say, here's just some food, because everybody will minister to the patients, but not many, many people will minister to the people who minister to the patients. Let's love them. Let's do something this Christmas. But John, what are we going to do lovely? Well, we're going to help try And then I want to issue one more challenge. I want you to pray about it. I don't want you to say yes to any of this tonight. I want you to hear from the Lord because we will be in agreement. There will be unity, right, in the spirit? You know all the EMAs, mostly mentally handicapped children at the high schools around here. Why not let's just give somebody a happy Christmas gift? Why not let's just do something for them because nobody does anything for them. They don't have any budget money. Why not let's, let's, let's do something for people that can never thank us? What good is it if we get a thanks for what we do? We've got a reward, right? Why not do it in the name of Jesus? Here's what's great. All these secular schools, they won't turn down money. <laughs> they won't turn down money. Let's just see what the Lord does. So living by faith, what does it mean? Talk to me and we're done. What's the first thing? Sacrifice. What are you going to sacrifice in your life? What's the next thing? What's the third thing? Ah, fear. Oh, fear the Lord. Listen to the chicken. Now I'm just going to skip to this one. My last one. Go. Do what God says. Father, that is my prayer. I love this group. They are my family. And even though my mom won't call me, they'll call me. Woo! Love them. Tonight, that we would just really hear from the Lord. What are you calling us to do? What is the holy fear that's put a boundary in our life that we need to say, you know what? I need to kind of step back into that boundary. Lord, how's the intimacy where we're going? Where's the sacrifice in our life? Because you're calling us to live by faith. Let us go ahead and be full of faith right now. Let's just see how good and beautiful Jesus is. Because he did all that Enoch did. He fulfilled what Enoch couldn't do. He fulfilled what Abraham couldn't do. He fulfilled uh, what all the other ones that are in that whole, whole
whole chapter of faith or that hall of faith. He did what Noah couldn't do. He did what all of them could not do, even together, which was bring salvation to our souls and a right standing with God. Help us to make room for you by being people of faith. We love you. We worship you. This is our prayer as we sing, as we're sung over, and as we hear what you're asking us to do. Lord, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to minister to those emotionally and mentally handicapped children in their farm? Do you want us to help the nurses that try Right across the street, the ones in the ER, do you want us to minister to those nurses? Lord, do you want us to help those 15, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds that their last time that they'll be in a group setting, a lot of them will be in a public school where they can have just something nice Hopefully that's in Jesus. That is our prayer. You tell us. Lord.